Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. This episode also contains discussion of eating disorders and self-harm. Say what you want about The Crown. It's entertaining as fuck. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1997. And I'm her sister, Jen, born in 1974. I guess I'm 25 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know the difference between our age now. 23 years older. Okay, okay, okay. I was born in 1977. Jesus. No one thinks you're in your 20s. <laughs> uh, depending on the Snapchat filter, they will. <laughs> okay. Today, we're going to continue our time capsule series with episodes... 9 and 10 of The Crown, Season 4. Episode 9 is called Avalanche, and Episode 10 is called War. Uh No, don't do this again. (laughs) I was listening back. Guys, give yourselves a treat to start 2021 and listen to our Laws on the Prairie podcast. I was listening back to the episode we dropped uh, today, so I don't know when you're going to hear this, but today is called I'll Ride the Wind. I was doing some real bad John Jr. imitations in that. I don't know what you were doing. You were like <laughs> mental. Oof. It was, yeah. I was good. mental, Jen. I was mental. <laughs> <laughs> the only, I don't know what you were trying to do. I think you were on drugs. I just am not a good impressionist. And it's one of those skills like I wish I had. You do a good grace. How do I do a grace? I don't know. You just do a good impression of her. Well, I try to do an impression of everybody. And I often yeah, and they fail. All fail. Yes. They all fail. They're all failures. All right, Jen. So let's talk about episode nine of The Crown, season four, Avalanche. It's Charles' 37th birthday, Jen. God, he's only 37. He looks like four, 54. <laughs> so the episode opens up. And, and again, you know, as with our last couple episodes, we just do very high level summary because we're assuming you guys have watched this. So we're just going to talk about a couple of the key scenes that, you know, we wanted to talk about. So they're at the opera, Jen. And how bored does Diana look? Bored. But I think she actually liked opera, which I was surprised. Yep. Well, maybe that was later, though. But I think she actually likes opera. She does like opera. So I'm wondering if that was just a miscue in the acting. Like if she was really supposed to be looking anxiously because she knew her timing was coming up. Oh, Do you right. know what I yeah. mean? But to yeah, yeah, the yeah. viewers, it looked bored. Because she was a big fan of opera, which will come up later. Oh, yes. It but, will. Anyway. Okay. So... All of a sudden, they're at the, Charles is this is so glued to this opera. Like he's moved, you could tell. And she gets up to go to the bathroom, and he is like looking, looking, looking. And I thought to myself, "This is me." Like when Timmy and I will go to see a poetry reading or something, I'm like so immersed, and he'll be like, "Oh, I'll be back. I have to go to the bathroom." And I feel like saying, "What?" You're leaving for the best part. How can you tear yourself away from this? What are you doing? Drives me crazy. 
Um, so he's like looking, looking, looking. All of a sudden on the stage, this male dancer starts dancing to Uptown Girl. This really happened. Yes, it did. So Billy Joel's Uptown Girl is playing. He starts Which, dancing. What an interesting choice of song. What an interesting choice. And here <laughs> comes Diana. She comes out on the stage and is dancing. And Charles is mortified. Yeah. This is so out of his comfort zone. It's not like this a- is. This is like any Howard Stern fans out there. This is a misstep. <laughs> Gary, but Gary, but Gary, but if me, Gary Delabate called the iPod a misstep. Butterfuco. Mm. Mm, Butterfuco. We have to talk about him at some point. That whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was big. That was big. <laughs> okay. So the dance is slightly racy, like not by our standards, but by the crown. The minute she stepped on stage was racy. Like, like her dress, we saw above her knee. Yeah. Whew. She's doing lifts and stuff. Yep. Getting all dirty dancing up in there. Yep. Yeah, where was Johnny Castle? Oh, that would have been good crossover. Good crossover. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost of Patrick Swayze. (laughs) Good crossover. (laughs) So, Jen, on the pod I listened to, they said the dancer told her to bother the royal box, and she said, why would I bother my husband? Mm. Um, Interesting note, I can't find video of this anywhere. Just stills. They probably just like just killed mm-hmm. any video because don't forget it's not like everybody has a cell phone tape in it at that time. Like right. it would have only come from one source or two sources maybe, and they probably destroyed it all. Like that documentary that they made, yeah, that's gone. Yep, off the face of the earth too. They got she got eight standing ovations. Ridiculous, ridiculous. But it's kind of crazy. Like think about it. Think about like. You know, you're at like, you know, uh, some kind of crazy opera in Washington, D.C. And like Michelle Obama does like a fucking oh, dance number. Die. Like that would have been nuts, right? Like wait, that would have been wait, crazy. Wait, 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 wait. Who's, who's she doing the number for? Is Obama there? Yeah, of course. then I'm going to die. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that would have been nuts. Wow. Yeah, that's true. So like people were probably stunned. They were stunned. It was so out of character for yeah. him, for Charles. For the royal family in general, <laughs> like I know Margaret would, would saddle up to a a piano once in a while and sing, but like not in public, not not at a bar, not at a random bar somewhere where the public could see her. So they get in the car on the way home, Jen. They have a nasty what, fight. What? Okay, so but what do you think of this? Because part of me was like. I don't, I don't know if I fully buy this whole, I'm naive mm-hmm. and I thought you'd like this. And mm-hmm. I did it like, she's got to be smarter than that. Even though she's young, like she yeah. has to be, Yeah, it has to be a little bit calculated. I just wrote the writers, the, the fight was so nasty that the writers have either a stopped trying to make Charles sympathetic or B, just love Diana so much they purposely destroyed his character. Like, it's, I don't know. I I agree with him, though. And with what you're saying, this was absolutely not for him. No. This was for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, did she think it was sexy and that he would like it? And if that's the case, you do that in private. You will put on Billy Joel's Uptown Girl. Well, here. and the choice of song, it just felt very, I don't know, like, I don't, it, it, it felt like she was, it was like a rebellious thing against him in a way. She had to have known. She's either totally stupid and naive, which, how old would she have been at this point? She was, I think, 23. So still pretty young, but. You had to know he was going to flip out about this. Yeah. He flipped out when she was like waving too much in Australia. (laughs) Right. You're waving too much. You know by now how insecure he is. And not that that excuses it. It doesn't excuse it. But but if you want to do this for yourself, go ahead. Knock yourself out. Do it. But don't act like you're, don't act all like stunned that he's upset. And, and saying, like, I did this for you. Like, that's a lie. 
It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. We also don't know. So we know that she did it. Yes. But we don't know how he reacted to it. No, we don't. We don't. There were only two people in that car. He had to react badly to it. I'm assuming just knowing what you know. It was bad in some way. But if she had said, if she had done it for herself and was like, what'd you think of that? Fine. Mm -hmm. Like, but this, this whole, like, I didn't know you'd be upset. Like, oh my God, it just feels phony. Well, they just come off this tour where, and she talks about this in Diana in her own words, that when they were in Australia, he was extremely jealous of her. Exactly. So she knows there's jealousy. Does she think this helps? She knows how the crowd's going to react to her. She she knows that by now. Yeah. She knows that. Yeah. She knows how to play to the crowd by yeah. now. Yep. And she knows they'll love this and he'll hate it. Mm-hmm. She knows that. Yeah. And I just feel like if if you want to do some kind of rebellious thing and be like, yeah, I'm the Princess of Wales, look at me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Do it. Like, you're going to piss him off, but whatever. But to try to act like she didn't know and she's shocked and why is he mad? Like, I just... It's just so phony. Yeah. Yep. I agree. At the end of the ride home, Jen, he leaves and goes to Highbridge. Yeah. We all know who's waiting there. Camilla would have. Camilla's silhouette. Never done this in in the million. She would have never done this in a million years. Never. And so let me just say this, because for a minute I had to think about, we saw in last, we talked about in our last, last podcast, the scene where Charles and Camilla are having that party. Yes. And they're telling a joke. And Charles is very much revel reveling. Revel, Rever I don't know. You're the word person. Charles is very much enjoying <laughs> <laughs> being the center of attention. Yeah. And there's a room full of people. Mm-hmm. Why is that different? Why does he like the attention on him sometimes and not others? And I think it's because that was an intellectual. Yeah, it's a type of attention. Yeah, but he's in his comfort zone. He's with Camilla. Mm -hmm. He's in his comfort zone. He knows all those people. This was like sex appeal. Yeah. That's out of his comfort zone. Yeah. Clearly. Well, and it's it's her getting the attention and the, the attention he's getting is more like, Oh, how's he reacting? You know what I mean? Like it's not real attention for him. Yeah. But he doesn't seem to even like the attention of your wife is hot. You have a great wife. Oh my God. I that's love her. That's like, about her. Yes. He doesn't like that. Like it has to be about him. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I thought the queen would react a little differently, but she's just like real calm the next day saying, Oh, looks like Charles and Diana are doing better based on these pictures on the front cover of this tabloid. Okay. <laughs> the queen calls Billy Joel, Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> and then Philip asked the queen why she never danced for him. And she said, you had your own ballerinas for that. That was a good one. That, that was, was like, a- wow. That was, what was that? Like season two? Yeah, it was a while ago. Oof. That was, she was waiting 20 years for that comeback. I will say this is how I operate. Okay. <laughs> I am, Keep it on ice. I'm notorious for telling my girlfriend, like, we'll be talking about them. I'll be like, she'll say, should I say this? Just keep it. Just keep it. Keep it in your back pocket. You'll have the time. You'll find the, the moment. <laughs> I don't know, though, if I would dedicate 20 years to keeping that on ice. <laughs> Well, you knew it was as soon as he said, this is the words left his mouth. I'm like, really, Philip? Uh-oh. Yep. yep. <laughs> Cause a lot of it too is like she's into like pop culture and she's into like what's happening in the world. Like Who, the Queen? No, Diana. Oh. Okay. Like there's this Billy Joel song, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's are her and Charles, are they cutoffs in different generations? Oh, that's a good question. Like I'm because they're like ten years apart at least, right? Pause. Okay, we're back. Jenny, reveal. Uh, Charles is 1948, so he's a hardcore early boomer, right? That's early boomer. Yeah. And she's 61, which is technically boomer, but it's getting a little cuspy with Generation X. So she, he's at the beginning of 
He's at the late greats, pretty much. Yes, yes. And she's kind of the late boomers. She's like the 60s boomers. Yep. And I feel like there's a generational divide there a little bit. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. We then learn, Jen, that Charles and Diana are going skiing with friends. And there's an avalanche. And Charles is presumed missing. And I have to say, I'm pretty glad they didn't drag this drama out the entire time. Like, he's found right away. Of course he is. Yeah. Like, well, sometimes a writer will drag that out the whole episode. Or a whole movie. Yes. (laughs) That could be a whole movie. Right. So there are, this this avalanche really happened. It was very serious. There was a, a man who died. Um, his wife worked in the is, press office, office. An avalanche is one of those disasters that I just never think will happen. Like, this is not even on my radar, even though I used to ski and like I've, I went skiing with your girls not too long ago. But it's just not something you ever think will happen. So, Jenny, regular listener, listeners of ours knows how we feel about extreme weather. Did you find a little satisfaction from that video coverage of the avalanche? But the avalanche is not weather. It's a natural natural disaster. Yeah. Weather's different. But it's like a hurricane. Well, there yeah, but it's it's not a weather event. But the shot was the camera and the snow comes down and goes over. Yeah, that was pretty good. It was pretty good. good. I was happy. That was pretty good. (laughs) That was satisfying, unlike the tornado at the end of season two. Yes. Little House on the Prairie that we didn't see. We just saw some chickens blown around little house on the prairie constantly disappoints with their promise of weather (laughs) okay so this okay so the avalanche really happened it was super serious the guy who died like had a pregnant wife or a little kid or something like really sad and they do show them at the funeral and diana just cannot stop looking at this widow like they feel terrible and i mean this isn't nearly as sad as that episode where the coal rolls down the mountain. Was that season three? Two. Yeah. Two? Two. No. Claire Foy was the queen. Was it Claire Foy? I think so. No, it wasn't. It was Olivia Coleman. Okay. It was season three. Um, that was brutal. The podcast said that Fergie was actually on this trip. Did you hear that? Oh, no. And that, that she was pregnant. Who was skiing when they're pregnant? Is that, I feel like that's not okay. Like I've taken fall skiing, man. I know. That feels dangerous. But anyway, Fergie had some kind of issue and they had to take her off the slope. So she, she would have been in danger had she been there. It's like those falls that you take. And I shouldn't tell you this because your kids ski, but those falls that you take and you land and you're just like, is my ankle, is it, is it okay that my foot's going in that direction? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like not sure at first and you can't feel it because you're cold. So Jen, Charles gets out of the avalanche and he decides that's it. I'm done. I want to be a Camilla. <laughs> this avalanche has two really different effects on them. It really does. So he writes a letter in preparation of like what he's going to have to say to the queen. Meanwhile, the queen has word that the marriage is on the rocks and goes to visit Anne. And Anne tells her it's a disaster and Diana is sleeping around on Charles. Yep. Now, I did extensive research to find out if this was true. The affair was actually confirmed by Diana in that weird interview she did with Martin Bashir. What's his name? Yeah, I think so. In 95 that her, her sons think she was coerced into doing that. She did that interview and ended up having to give up her royal title. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, she actually admits to the affair. And there are two. I, I have an article and I'll share it. There are two royal experts who believe that she cheated first. But he was sleeping with Camilla the whole time. They say that he didn't start really sleeping with Camilla until 86 and she was cheating in 85. So, like, we're talking months here. Yeah. Because I was really, I was like, you got to be super careful with an accusation like that. So I wanted to make sure there was some kind of credible proof. But to be clear, he was emotionally cheating on her from day one. So it's not like, like, just because he wasn't having sex with Camila doesn't mean he was being faithful. A hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. So there's this weird scene where Anne tells, um... The queen that Diana has a steady flow of men in 
and out and in and out and in and out. She says it three times. It's super weird. She's super weird. It's it's like, why doesn't she just go like this with the finger in the hole? (laughs) Okay. The queen decides she's going to call them together for a meeting. Like family meeting. And she asks if they want to stay together. And Charles is like getting all ready to read his letter. And Diana suddenly is like, I love you. I want to stay with you. And they're both like, well, the avalanche has had the opposite effect on her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she sees, or so we think. So she sees Charles almost die and is like, no, I really want to be in this. Charles has the right reaction, which is like, life's too short. I'm going to die. I want to make sure I'm happy. This is not working. Yeah. Diana's yeah. like, I'm unhappy, but I don't want to lose him. I'm going to dig in further on this. Yes. Yep. All right. So Diana decides, you know, I'm, oh, and Charles is like, wait a minute. Do I get to say anything? And the queen's like, what do you have to say? No, bye. You're done. bye. You're done. You're staying married. All right. So Diana breaks off all of her other friendships or relationships or whatever, vows to be a better wife. Meanwhile, Charles tells his staff, keep an eye out for any signs of indiscretion on her part. Because she gave the queen her word, she would be faithful. If Charles gets when she broke that promise, he'll have leverage. That's it. That's his, yep. that's his key out. Yep. So they decide Jen to go to High Grove for their anniversary. And the staff, like, there's this scene where the staff is like getting rid of all Camilla's shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's bad. All right. Um, and then there's a scene where Diana is swimming in the pool with the boys, and Charles is just brooding on a nearby yep. chair. And I'm like, that's what Aunt Jenny's like when she comes to visit. That is not true. (laughs) I would be sitting there with a glass of wine, enjoying my peace and quiet away from everyone. Jenny would be sitting on the chair brooding, watching. I would not be brooding. I would be sitting from far away from everyone, but not brooding. She then gives, so later that night they exchange gifts and he gives her like a really nice book of like the history of her name or something. Yeah, that's, I thought that was pretty yeah, cool. She's just her, like, her oh, thanks. The book of her house. But she doesn't care about shit like that. No. Then she gives him a VHS tape of her oh, singing. God. This time it's in private. She performs All I Ask of You from the Phantom of the Opera on stage. And it's just filmed and she gives it to Charles. She's like, I know how much I embarrassed you. I, her voice, I can't with this actress's voice. It drives me crazy. I know how much I embarrassed you, and I just wanted this time. It's for just us, Jen. Did have you seen that opera? I've not seen it. Or that Broadway show? Mm-hmm. It's really good, and I love that song. And she ruined it for me. She ruined it. Well, the next day, Jen Ann visits, and they start making fun of how bad the performance was. Charles is telling her this about it, like. <laughs> You know these guys. They're going to be like, what the... Right. What is this? It kind of reminds me of when I painted The Artichoke. Oh, we made fun of that. We still make fun of that. I was at a local theater and somebody had painted a flame. And I loved the painting so much, but it was... I don't know if it was a flame or flower. Exactly. But it was not the right color for my house. This is exactly the problem. It was so simple. That I decided I could do that. So I went out. I bought a canvas. I sketched this bitch out. I painted it. (laughs) I was so proud of it. Jenny and my dad, both like accomplished artists, come over and just start ridiculing me. (laughs) We were laughing so hard (laughs) at it. And they called the artichoke. artichoke? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it was so stiff. Like it was just so like. Whatever. Whatever. It's like that—that that stiffness of like a new artist. Mm-hmm. So I feel for Diana here. I know how she feels. Okay, so Anne, but, but you would not have done that. That's like you doing that for a birthday gift for me or dad. Mm-mm. You know how that's going to go over. I would right? not. Do you would that. never do that. No, no, you no, would no, never no. do that because you know it's something that we're going to totally make fun of. Yes, and hate. Yes. I just did a spit take there. Um. All right, so in this conversation, Anne also tells him that Camilla's happy in her marriage and he's a fool to think she'll leave her husband. But that that's part of my question, too, is I feel like Camilla had this kind of obsession with Andrew. With her husband? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like she did with him. And I think that she had that the whole time and that she was just keeping like. Did he Charles die? Is that why they eventually got married? He died, didn't he? Uh, I think so. Pause. Okay, we're back. He's ugly. <laughs> real, real ugly. Wow. He's still alive, guys. Did he used to be good looking at all? Um, Here's their wedding picture. That's a no. Wait a minute. Nope. Anne wanted to date him? Yes, they dated him. Anne remember? wanted to marry him. Yeah, remember they were involved? Yeah. And Charles was involved with Camilla? He's gross, guys. He's gross. He must have been like saucy in some other way, but it's not this way. Come. Charles is devastated by the idea of this. And he rushes to Camilla to find out she loves him. And she's basically like, yes, but we can't do this. Yeah. But, she, you right. know, again, she's not working real hard at that. I think she kind of keeps him on the hook and, like, strings him along and, like, keeps mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. fueling his obsession with her. But she had an obsession for Andrew. Okay. They had a weird, like, dramatic thing. So, in the end, the episode ends with Charles deciding to ignore Diana until she like has a breakdown and ends up calling up her hookup and that's it. He finds out in the end and he's yep. like, I'm free. I want to say something too. When I was listening to, and I'll put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode too. But when I was listening to Diana in her own words, she was, or no, did I read this in an article? She was cutting too. Oh, really? Yes. Well, she said, I would hurt my arms and legs. So I'm taking that to mean. Yeah, I don't think you'd like to take a hammer to them or anything. <clears throat> I don't know. But she was she was engaging in self-harm. Wow. And That's so sad. So she really had a lot going on. I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, Jen, let's move into episode 10. Hey everyone, Amy and Jenny here. We just want to talk about our Patreon feed and what we've been doing on the feed for um, all of you to enjoy. So for December, we did Season 1, Episode 15 of Little House on the Prairie, which was Christmas at Plum Creek. And we did that because Jenny had to know where Laura's horse bunny came from. So I think we got answers. She disagrees. No, we didn't. We covered that. Another thing we covered on our Patreon December was Die Hard, part of our Blockbuster series, which we also had an argument about whether or not Die Hard was a Christmas movie. It is. And then finally, in December, we did National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which we both agree we really kind of needed to round out 2020. So we had some good laughs there. So that's the stuff if you sign up for Patreon that you will get automatically. And then, Jenny, what are we doing in January? So in January, we are doing Class Action Park, which is about an amusement park that was run by crazy drunk teenagers in the 80s in New Jersey. You don't have to know the park, though, because it's just it's such a quintessential like shit that could happen in the 80s kind of show. Um, So you'll love it either way. Like, you, you know, this park, this park exists somewhere near you. I guarantee it. And uh, Jaws 3D, so one of the worst movies ever made. We we're gonna cover. Oh, it's I've seen it. It's one of the worst movies ever made. It makes Howard the Duck look like the Godfather. So you can go to Patreon.com/slash GenXThisIsWhy, or you can get there from our website GenXThisIsWhy.com. We also have a contest running right now. If you're one of the first 50 people to sign up for Patreon, you are automatically entered for a random drawing to win. What are they gonna win, Jen? They're going to win Allison Engram's Confession of a Prairie Bitch book, which is Nellie Olson. All right. So, again, that's GenXThisIsWhy.com, and you can get a link there to the contest. You can also link directly to our Patreon. Thanks, and see you soon. So, episode 10 is called War. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say war. (laughs) (laughs) Thatcher is being met with resistance. She's leaving. All right. So we see like this guy in her cabinet is or this guy is resigning in parliament and supposedly he's like her strongest supporter. And as he's leaving, he throws her under the bus. Right. 
And so, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes of the episode are her trying, is her trying to like maintain power. And it gets to the point where she goes to the queen and asks her to dissolve parliament. Yes, because the queen does have that right. Because the Gulf War is starting at the same time. Right. Right. So it's 90, 1991. Yeah. And so she is. Um, you know, she's desperate. She's like, what is Saddam going to think if we don't it's have 89? It's got to be 89. Yeah. So th- the queen basically is like, look, I think, I, I think you just have to step aside on this one. Yeah, like, I'm she, not, she was around for like a decade. She was around a long, 11 years. Two de- 11 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the queen is like, maybe it's just time you did nothing. And she has this great line where she says, the difference is you have power in nothing. I have nothing. Right, because she's a politician who gets elected and actually has to do things. And then she said something like, either it's lonely or it's power. It's lonely. She goes, it's lonely in the wilderness. <laughs> she's really. And Elizabeth's like, why don't you look for other passion? She's like, I have a lot of other loves, but this is my passion. Yeah. And Margaret this is Thatcher it. lived a long time. She did. She did. Yep. Okay, so this is also the episode where Diana goes to New York, Jen, and we get to see a little New York City in the 80s. Oh, boy. Yes. And she goes to a Harlem hospital. Well, let me, places she goes. Let me back up. Hold on. Before we get into this, let me back up. She meets with Charles. They meet with, like, their people. And this is the beginning of the narrative we start to see emerging where Charles is saying she's mentally unwell. Yes. Like his, him and his team are, they're not even alluding to it. They're saying it now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So she talks about that in Diana in her own words, like how they started. And that's when she, I think, talked about engaging in self-harm, like how they were starting to use these things against her. Mm-hmm. And she was seeing psychiatrists at this point or, you know, palace appointed therapists or whatever. Oh, God knows what that is. But yeah. um, she said, Charles... Not so much Charles only, but mostly his staff really exploited her mental illness during this point. So they make her feel like she cannot do this tour. But she's right. like, I'm fucking doing it. And she gets on this plane and she's going to New York all by herself. Solo tour for a royal. Huge deal. She goes to New York. Where does she go, Jen? So the trip came about because, bam, Brooklyn Academy of Music was putting together its first season of opera. So we're back to opera again. And the inaugural performance was a Welsh opera, which Diana was a huge fan of Welsh opera. So they had asked the princess specifically to come. They had asked her specifically to come to it. And I think she saw the opportunity and was like, okay, Mm -hmm. going. And uh, the tickets were $2,000 and they sold out almost instantly when they announced that Diana was going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, there was only one person who was very slow to pay, and that was Donald Trump. Interesting. Okay. All right. So she started on the Lower East Side. Harris and I'm Street assuming Settlement. it was a fundraiser for BAM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Um, she was on. She was at the Harry Street Settlement on the Lower East Side. This is a. Uh, they're a nonprofit that um, provides social services, healthcare, education to underserved residents of New York. There was a picture of her taken there. This is all from Getty Images that I got this information from. Um, there's a picture taken of her there with Matilda Cuomo. Oh, <laughs> and Cuomo's mother. Yep. And uh, she then went to FAO Schwartz and was photographed in the British section. Oh, of course. Like, is this, this is what we come up with? Mm-hmm. This is it. Uh, she went to a gala at the World Trade Center, the Winter Garden. And it was it, down to Epcot and take her to Great Britain. In the country. That would have been bad. That would have been really bad. But the, that was where the actual gala for the BAM benefit took place. Uh, the Esters were there, Rockefellers, the Kissingers, all the New York Society families were there. Ed Koch was there, who was the mayor at the time, and Donald and Ivana Trump, who were married at the time. She also then the next day went to Harlem Hospital, the AIDS unit. She was... She was very moved by visiting the patients and unexpectedly hugged and picked up a seven-year-old patient. This was like a huge thing because it there was, was huge. this. It was huge. It was a huge breakthrough for the AIDS movement, which was great. 
because there was this stigma around it and there was this misconception that you could catch it from touching, casually touching people, okay, a, which was untrue. I have a statement okay. on the podcast when they talk about this and the podcast we keep referring to guys is the crown official podcast, official podcast. hosted yeah. by Edith Bowman and often starring Peter, um, Peter Morgan. <laughs> sorry, we're done. Um, <laughs> they, they use a word. They don't say misconception. They say there were, like, in other words, they say it was a lie that AIDS could be touched, could be spread. And that bothered, that bothered me the way it sat with me because that implies that there was intention in that. And I think it was a misconception. I think it was well, born the, of ignorance. I don't think it that's was the born difference of between Well, that's the difference between misinformation and disinformation. Yes. Yeah. Like, like malice is disinformation, I believe. And and non-malice, just just confusion or non-information yeah. is misinformation. Like I think it was born out of ignorance. I think a lot of it was, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, there certainly was a racist element. There certainly was, and there certainly was uh, homophobic, you know, like the Reagan administration ignoring it mm-hmm. as an epidemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot. But I don't of who know. It affected. But I don't know. Okay, so this is where I have a problem with it. I guess I don't know if the general public so much was engaging in that willingly. I think the general public, like I'm thinking, mom and dad sitting in our living room in Scranton, Pennsylvania, in 1988, weren't like saying with malice, oh, you can catch AIDS. They honestly thought that because people were saying that. I don't know. I'm sure there was, I'm sure that was the case some of the time. Sure. Like if you spread, if the higher, if the hierarchy or the quote unquote trusted people spread misinformation, is it the masses fault if they believe that? If they don't have another way to check that. I guess like today not. it's unforgivable because of all today's the unfor- you, you can find out the truth right. today. Yeah. But I don't know if it was then. I think people, honestly, I think most people didn't care because of the communities that it affected. Oh, sure. It didn't, it didn't affect middle-class white people, upper-class white, like it, you know what I mean? Like people didn't, it, it, there was so much bias around it. But I think there was probably malicious disinformation. I can't imagine there was. But I don't think that was from the general public. I think it was to the general public. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I doubt like people were making up their own news stories and circulating them, but it was huge. Either way. I think it's irresponsible if you don't know if something's true and you spread that information on. Yes. I agree with that. But I don't, I don't think a lot of people questioned information they got from their leaders. Right. Right. A hundred percent. So the fact that she hugged this patient and there was another uh, AIDS ward that she went to before this. I forget where it was. I, want to say I it was saw a picture of her and she had a bunch of kids with her. Yeah. And then uh, she shook some guy's hand yeah. like earlier, uh, a couple years earlier. Hospital. Yep. So like that was a big deal because she was trying to. She felt passionately about ending the stigma around it. Well, that New York trip is where they started referring to her as the people's princess. Yeah. It was that move. Yep. They, America loved her. And I don't think York loved her. I didn't see that as cunning or no, I, I didn't at all. Well, the thing is, and when she gets back, like Charles like freaks out. But the thing is that she like, she's not, she genuinely cares about people. Yes. Like that's yeah. true and that's obvious. Yep. And Charles cannot wrap his mind around that. Yeah, he doesn't understand it. He can't understand nope. it. He thinks everything she's doing is for her own like political gain. Right. And it's some kind of political stunt or something selfish. Like he can't even imagine selfishness. Selfish. Selflessness. Selfishness. Selflessness. Yeah. Jenny came and he can't it. even. <laughs> he can't even imagine it. Like he can't. He can't even understand that that. That she just actually really cared about these people. That's why she did that. Right. Can't even, can't even imagine the, it. The best part of this was the New Yorkers out on the street saying how much they like her. And of course they get like, and I can say this because I'm Italian, but I'm still putting in quotes, like the Italian dude who's yelling like, 
yo, we love her. If you don't like her there, we'll take her here. Like, okay, dude, whatever. Calm down. Like, no one's giving <laughs> Princess Diana. <laughs> okay, so they get she gets back and she's a he the tour is a huge success. Huge. Huge. It was on every newspaper. It was insane. She's back and Charles is having a fight with Camilla. And Camilla is basically saying that she's upset and she can never be with him because she can never beat Diana in the press. No. And they have this fairy tale discussion and she says something like, in order to be a fairy tale, you have to be the victim. Cause Charles goes, if they knew our story, they would know they have their fairy tale. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like to be the heroine of a fairy tale, you have to be a victim. And Diana would be that's what we would be making her. So she's basically like kind of telling Charles, don't put me in this position. Don't pit me against her because I'll be ridiculed and harassed. And she was, even though Diana was dead and they still waited five or six years. Yeah. Still ridiculed. Yeah. Good call, Camilla. So then, then we see Charles and Diana meet up and they have this huge fight and Charles is super pissed. And what's he pissed at her about? He's pissed at her for upsetting Camilla. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine how pissed off Diana is right now. I have to say something. I don't like the way that Charles is being written at this point. Do you think he's this big of a dick? I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's. I don't know. Here's what I think about Charles. And who the fuck am I? Right. (laughs) But here's what I think about him. And I've this is from I read like when I was reading those articles about her affairs from those palace, those royal experts, they were saying the crown got it wrong. And they were saying like Charles was never the type that was gonna go at you. Yeah, that's what I mean. He seems like not a direct right. person. Like he would defend himself, but it would take yeah. a lot for her. Like she was the one who was always screaming at him. Yeah. And then he doesn't seem direct. He's never going to be direct. And then he would defend himself. Mm-hmm. But like the series makes it look like he he's always like the sniveling, like, ooh, yeah. the, the the balls on you. Do you know what I mean? Like this self-indignation. I'm sure he was whiny and I could see him saying those things, but never to her directly. I could see him saying that to Anne. I could see him saying that to... yeah. Camilla, yeah. you know what I mean? Like kind of whining and complaining behind her back, but never addressing. Like, I guess. Like never addressing her. Like, I guess. I just don't. He's not strong enough. For that. I, don't I don't see that either. Bully. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah, I agree. I see him as snooty and somebody who would maybe make her feel intellectually inferior. Mm-hmm. But he's not a bully. He's not a yeller and a screamer and a rah, rah, rah. And, you know, he's yeah. just not. I can see him complaining behind the scenes incessantly, but not. Is that that word? Incessantly. 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 Well, and another (laughs) thing is look at his sons. His sons are still very close to him. Yeah. And they were growing up. They they adored their mother, but they were also very close to him. And I think if he was this monster. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't see him being so direct. Mm-mm. He would more be complaining like on the side. Yeah. I just, I have a problem with it because I was on Charles. I wasn't on Charles side, but I saw, we are so used to the narrative of Diana's the good one and Charles and Camilla are the bad ones that it yep. was refreshing in the beginning of the season to see some of Charles rounded out and to, to see him as a sympathetic character a little bit. That's gone now. That's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's out the window. All right. So now we have Christmas. Christmas at, at Belmoral. Christmas is always can a clusterfuck for the family. Can I Christmas there in the Scottish I countryside. Like the holidays are always a cluster. Yeah. All right. So a lot happens here, but there's really two main things to focus on. One is Charles and the Queen have this big fight where he says, He's suffering and she flips out on him and she's like, you and Diana are both people of privilege who found yourselves with everything anybody could ever want. And you're suffering. She's that's a, gener- that's a generational thing too. Yes. Like 
basically the queen's generation, which would have been Graham's generation. They were born mm-hmm. right around the same time. I forget what year the queen was born. She was born 1926. Mm-hmm. So right around the same time. Like that, if you are physically suffering, what are you, you're fine. Yeah, what are you, what you talking, talking about? about? What's the problem? <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Charles is like emotionally suffering and she's not having no. any of it. And she's like, you're a sniveling baby. Your wife is a sniveling baby. Like, you guys need to put on your big boy pants and make this marriage work. Like, she really gives it to him. Merry Christmas. And he needed to hear it. He did. He did. Yeah. He did. Um, so, okay. So then we have this scene where Diana is upstairs and there's a knock on the door and it's Philip. Now, you'll remember from... What was the episode where they went hunting with the stag? Wasn't it Bal- Oh no, yeah, Balmorta. Yeah, episode yeah. two. So you'll remember from that episode that Philip kind of took a shine to Diana. He liked her. I think it's because you know he was the outsider as well, marrying in yep. the family. Yep. So he goes upstairs and he kind of tries to like talk to her, and he's like, "I'm just coming to check how you are." Blah blah blah, and he's trying to like. You know this, but he has no—he is not equipped at all for these kinds of conversations. Though he has no idea. But he's kind of like you know this family can be tough, and she just lets him have it. Well, he goes, he goes. He'll come around once he realizes he can't have the other one. And he goes, for what it's worth, we all think he's mad. And she goes, that's not enough anymore. Like yeah, if this like, family, I like you're talking about. She's like, if this family can't give me the love and affection I deserve, I'm gonna leave. Good for her. And he's like, I suggest you don't do that. I'm I'm reenacting it now, word for word. <laughs> Jenny's like watching me, like she's watching like, me. Like, oh, ready, Jenny? <laughs> when I see from this side, I'm Diana. When I come over here, I'm Philip. Um, so, and then he goes, I suggest, is that, a threat? is that a veiled threat? I suggest you don't do that. And she goes, is that a threat? So she said, and then you have, it. sir, get out of here. Get out of here. Not now, not now. <laughs> so the servant runs away. <laughs> That's where I'm running down the stairs. Yep, yep. And then, um, he's like, I'm just telling you. It's not going to end well for you. I'm afraid it won't end well. The way he says it, I don't think it's a threat. I think he's like, it's just not going to end well. Trust me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I tried to escape and I couldn't. He's like, yeah. It's not going to be a good thing. Okay. So then he says a fantastic part. So this speech he gives Diana at the end is so great. He's like, I'm going to tell you what's happening here. There is one center of this family. And I feel like I've heard this everyone times. else revolves around this woman. She is like the air we breathe, the oxygen we breathe, everyone. He goes, the problem with you is you forget who that woman is. Like, I think, in other words, he's saying you think it's you that we and should all not. revolve around. And it's not. Definitely not. And I was like, woo, go Philip. I thought it was. I mean, that's good. a good way of visualizing it for her. Yeah. And she's just kind of like. like uh <laughs> yeah like you're you're a fringe royal you're a fringe royal <laughs> what a dick so in the, i wonder if he actually said that <laughs> i don't know so in the end she goes downstairs begrudgingly and gets in the family picture and they snap it and that's the end of season four that's it that's the end that's the end dun 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 Oh, I really God. wish I could do a British accent. Like, it's so bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's so bad. I'm sorry, everybody. Please keep tuning in. I'll never do one again, I promise. Jenny, write down. January, whatever this is. 11th. I will never do a British accent again. Okay. Okay. All right. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I look back on a theme or a lesson or a scar or something that we may have taken from the original incident or the time period we're covering, or maybe something we noticed in the rewatch and how it's shaped us or shaped our lives. We call it our why it's designed to answer the statement. Gen X, this is why. So Jenny, what is your why for this episode, for this group of episodes? This is why you should always look into and understand who your mother-in-law is going to be. <laughs> that 
is going to shape a big part of your life. And if it's the queen of England, run, maybe, maybe rethink that. Yeah. Go the other way, guys. Go the other way. <laughs> she has power over everyone's life. She thinks she's divine. Well, I think it's also tricky. And, and this was not my scenario because my ex-husband did not have any sisters. But I think it's tricky when there's a sister in the family, too. And I'm not putting you on the spot or anything. It can be. It can be tricky, but it's also nice. Like, don't forget, I've been married twice, so I have two experiences with this. That's true. But my, I have a very good relationship with my mother-in-law because my mother-in-law and my husband actually have a good relationship. And my mother-in-law is, like, she knows how to be hands-off. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. It's huge. (laughs) And, um, you know, like, I think that having sister-in-laws can be nice, especially like we're going through some health issues with them right now. And my sister-in-law stepping up in a big way and helping out. And it's really nice to have that where I feel like if I was the only daughter-in-law in in a group in a family of boys, I would, I would be relied upon for a certain kind of help that men expect from women. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's helpful in my scenario. I I can't imagine having your mother-in-law be the queen of England. Like, well, and if you don't have a good mother-in-law and there's a whole, I know plenty of people. Come on. That's a high pressure situation. It's, It's bad. It's bad. Okay. So I wrote, this is why writers have so much power and must be responsible in yielding it. Because we may never know what happened between closed doors with Charles and Diana. But this, the crown, will be the account of record for most of the general public and for people who don't do further research. Well, this comes down to, to, like, they're like, it's fiction. It's historical fiction. fiction. It's not clear enough what's fiction, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. we know because you know... You're never going to know what Thatcher and the queen talked about. They can't know that. Yeah. The queen did not do interviews for this. But like, you don't, you don't know. So they made it up. Peter. Oh, 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 I mean, Peter Morgan. Already. You already broke it. (laughs) Peter Morgan has shaped how these next generation see Diana. Yes. Yeah. Right. And the royal family in general. And the royal family in general. I mean, I think for the most part, he's been responsible yeah. in his staff, but I don't know. I mean, it's, I I really, I struggle with historical fiction for this reason. I, I don't, like, it's, the historical fiction that I don't mind is old. Old. Yeah. Like, so, Eric Larson's book. Yes. I love Yes. So, like, he wrote about the Lusitania. Yep. He wrote about, he did actually an amazing book, The Vile and the Splendor, The Splendid and the Vile, mm-hmm. about Churchill and the Blitz. Yep. Churchill, we know a lot about, yeah. right? Like, his character is well-documented. Same thing with Thatcher, kind of. Like, the royals we, aren't. Royals are not. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have as much, like, deep knowledge into their character. Like Churchill, you could tell, like you could tell what he, you could say what he was going to do in a situation, even if you didn't know, because he just, he had that character and everyone knew it. And he was very boisterous about his opinion. And like, there was, you never wondered what he was thinking, but with people like the queen, you just don't know. Like you just, and I think you've hit on something. I think what bothers me so much is as a mother, I cannot separate myself from the idea of those boys watching this like this out there while her children are here and that bothers me because how would you feel if somebody was shaping your kid's opinion of you well i mean how much is it shaping their opinion it's shaping the public view of her though sure and that affects the family i mean the family knows right but that affects them. them sure yeah i don't like it Okay, what are you going to do about it, Anne? <laughs> I just think, you know, I I don't know. I, I, but it is a writer's responsibility, and I think that's why, like, a lot of times with Eric Larson's books, and I keep, keep harping on them, but they're so good. Devil in the White City, mm-hmm. amazing book about the World Chicago Fair. World Fair. Um, is a lot of times he'll say when 
and again, it's a different medium. You can't, this would be hard to do mm-hmm. with TV, but like he kind of says when he doesn't say like, we're making this part up, but he'll say when he has documentation around stuff. Mm-hmm. So like you kind of know where the facts are and then where the, the story is like the Titanic movie. I know we are always talking oh my God, about I love this. it so much. It's the greatest movie ever. That, that basically Hashtag they were like, the Titanic movie is the greatest movie ever. They kept all the facts of the wreck and everything historically accurate, but the rest of it was clearly mm-hmm. fake. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think like like, and it didn't matter. If it wasn't because no one was still alive. No one cared, yeah. right? Um, like yeah, anyone who was still alive would have been. So as a memoirist, I deal with this a little bit because in my book there are parts that I elaborated. Because your memory is not 100%. I sure, don't remember sure. everything I said to this person or that person. Oh, and when it's a memoir, like, isn't it about, it's also about, like, that's how you remember right, it. But there are ways that's that you okay. can say that. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I come right out, I come right out and say that in my book. Like, there's many times I'll be like, I don't remember exactly what we said, but I remember feeling blah, 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 blah. Like, I'll say it in kind of in a better way. But, um, but that works for memory. If you were yeah. doing an autobi- or a biography, no. that would be harder to do. No, you can't do right. that. So I just, I really struggle with this. Like I, I, I kind of felt, and if you remember in either episodes one or two, I went on a rant about the paparazzi. I kind of felt like this, I felt the same ickiness watching this last mm-hmm. two episodes where I was kind of like, I feel like we're peeping in on something we shouldn't really know that much about. Yeah, and it's not like even put. Why wouldn't they put a statement in the beginning of it just so everyone knows they're watching fiction? Yeah, like maybe that's all it takes. Maybe you just situate the user as to like. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, viewer. Mm-hmm. You just situate the view, viewer as to like the events in this show. You know, are based on historical facts, but we could never know the conversations yeah. that took place. The royal family was not interviewed for the like yes. you know because they weren't right. right? They, they didn't participate. No. I mean, I know they interview staff. They like they did a lot of research. It's not like they didn't do research. Like I was, but I think it needs to be clearer that some of this is a lot of this is made up. Like an example is, I was reading this article about how Camilla has finally felt like she's accepted by mm-hmm. her by the sons. You know what I mean? Like she's finally kind of, yeah. And this this is setting it back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's a lot, you know. Yep, it's bringing up all the old shit. And like, if I were, if I were the sons, I'd be hating the grandmother. Yeah, be like, what did she do, man? To everyone, to everyone. Yeah. So it's just, it's. Uh, I think they should be clearer about that because mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think, the royal family was in on making this. That they like, right? I mean, it's not like they weren't consulted at all, but they didn't no. give extensive. This is done. They, are, like they have not sanctioned this yeah. in any way. No. So as another great writer once said, with great power comes great responsibility. That's or Marvel. Oh my Spider-Man. God. Marvel comics. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So Jenny, do we have anything coming up that we need to talk about? Um, probably. Join our Jaws 3D. Join our Patreon if you want to hear us rip on Jaws 3D for a while. Jaws 3D is coming up. Which SeaWorld... <laughs> is inexplicably tied to. We have my favorite thing in the world, Class Action Park, mm-hmm. is coming up on Patreon. Oh, that may already be out. That's going to already be out. On this Guys, day. join our Patreon. You get all of our back episodes, too, of um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Die Hard, some Little House stuff that's not on the main feed. It's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash gen x this is why also jenny is forcing me to start an instagram account with my dog who she has renamed lafayette beetle lafayette beetle now has his own instagram mm-hmm. we're very excited beetle b-e-a-d-l-e right like miss beetle like this beetle. Mm-hmm. it's it's lafayette beetle is one of the early founders of walnut grove he was mm-hmm. a, a relative of miss beetle and I once drunkenly, I don't know, said you were drunk. I would you were totally sober. 
power. <laughs> I said I would name my dog Lafayette Beetle. If what? I forget what the if. No, was. you said if I ever get another pet, I'm naming it Lafayette Beetle because you liked the name. Okay. And then lo and behold, a couple of months later, you get a puppy and you did not name the pet Lafayette I Beetle. The dog Arlo, which you came with because I rescued it. Terrible. You're lucky we didn't keep the name you came with. <laughs> Whatever, Jimmy. <laughs> So the dog's name is Lafayette Beetle on Instagram. So go look for him. He'll be doing so. He's wearing a donut right now because he got neutered. Well, he had a cone on. He couldn't handle it. He was like ripping up the wall. Mm -hmm. So I bought a donut. So he looks like ridiculous. Jelly donut. It's real cute. I'll put a couple pictures of him. He's our mascot. Yeah. Yeah. He's the worst dog ever. He's great. All right, guys. So we hope that you enjoyed this time capsule. We really enjoyed talking about Princess Dine Charles um, and the crown. Yeah, Say what you want about the crown. It's entertaining as fuck. It's, it's well done. Jenny, do you think someone will ever do a historical dramatization of us? Of this? Yes. <laughs> I hope they make it way more interesting than it is. <laughs> Who would play me? If, if Hey, whoever's going to make that show... Like, you have full artistic license. <laughs> I will not agree to have my name used unless, like, Angela Jolie plays me. Yeah, I'm sure that will work. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a plan. Okay. All right, guys. So thanks a lot, and we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. Amy here. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really helps us to grow the podcast. If you'd like to support us, please consider joining our Patreon feed patreon.com slash gen x this is why we're also on facebook and we have a facebook group called the meme bees m-e-m-e-b you can find this and all other information including an email address for contact at www.genxthisiswhy.com thanks so much and thanks for listening So while this, well, I just started reading an article instead of my notes. While this season has <laughs> mostly presented Lady Die. Okay, hold on. You're like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I'll read whatever's on the prompter. Okay. I'm Ron Burgundy. Okay. This is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry 
So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.